Resturni Radio presents Genesis, Volume 1 of Commentaries on the Pentateuch by Rusas John Resturni, narrated by Jeremy Walker, produced with permission by the Chalcedon Foundation. Chapter 9 The Fall of Man and the Curse. Genesis 3 7-21 And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also, and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin, and clothed them. Genesis 3, 7-21 In verse 7 and 21, we see an immediate consequence of the fall. Man went from God-consciousness to self-consciousness. They knew that they were naked, and they clothed themselves with, quote, aprons, unquote, or coverings of fig leaves. Guilt leads man to seek a covering, and the meaning of atonement is a covering. In atonement by God, man's sinful person is covered by God's grace. In self-atonement, all kinds of subterfuges and masks are used to hide man's inner being. The mask becomes a necessity because self-revelation is deadly. In some fallen men, self-revelation becomes an exercise in self-justification. Lenny Bruce, in How to Talk Dirty and Influence People, flaunted certain things, boasting of his fearless openness while indignantly denying other things. Self-justification can mean bragging about one's ostensible honesty. In verse 21, God clothes Adam and Eve with coats of skin to cover their sense of shame. The use of animal skins indicates some kind of sacrifice, so not without reason, even some who are not orthodox have suggested the institution of the sacrificial system. 
in Genesis 4, 3-4, Cain and Abel have some real awareness of the meaning of sacrifices. The penalty for sin is death. The remedy for sin and death is atonement. We can therefore assume that, death having entered into the world because of their sin, God taught Adam and Eve the remedy for sin and death. The immediate and continuing consequence of sin is guilt. Guilt is the great and worldwide penalty for sin, and apart from atonement, there is no remedy for sin nor for guilt. A key figure in the 20th century was Albert Schweitzer, whose philosophy and religion of reverence for life is closely linked with environmentalism and the religious exaltation of plant and animal life. Since to stay alive, we constantly consume plants and animals, we cannot escape this kind of guilt that makes us permanently guilty in Schweitzer's thinking. By his own admission, man is perpetually, continually guilty. We must make atonement to the environment and to, quote, minority, unquote, or subordinate peoples, but it is an atonement which is never efficacious and thus never sufficient to end guilt. Modern man's substitutes for Christ ensure perpetual guilt. But guilty men are impotent and easily controlled, so the modern state is ready to create and use guilt to control people. Quote, laying a guilt trip, unquote, on people is a popular device. It is an interesting fact that animals as close to people as pets so commonly acquire a sense of guilt. Because of guilt, Adam and Eve hid themselves from God, verse 8. God called to Adam, quote, Where art thou? Unquote, verse 9, knowing that Adam was hiding because of his sin. He called to Adam as the responsible person, as the head of the first family. Adam confessed his fear of God, a fear caused by his disobedience and sin. According to 1 John 4.18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Unquote. The fear of the sinner is not a clean fear, i.e., of doing wrong, but a guilty fear. Adam confesses to fear because he is guilty and knows it, verse 11, and for this reason he hid himself. He admits to fear, but not to sin. In effect, Adam was saying that it was the majesty of God that caused him to fear and hide himself rather than his sin and guilt. He was naked and therefore ashamed before God. In so excusing himself, Adam was in effect commending himself to God for his sensitivity to the presence of God. God's question, a challenge rather than a query, was, quote, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Unquote. Until now, Adam had lacked self-consciousness. Quote, Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Unquote. Verse 11. Adam's shame declares him to be a sinner. Adam's answer is a classic of self-justification. Quote, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Unquote. Verse 12. Instead of admitting his sin, Adam blames Eve, and then he blames God for giving him Eve. Quote, the woman thou gavest to be with me, unquote, God, Adam says, is the root cause of his sin. Mankind has not changed since then. Heredity, environment, any and every excuse is made for sin, except to say with David, quote, against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, unquote. Psalms 51.4. As Herbert E. Ryle observed, 
Quote, Guilt makes the man first a coward and then insolent. Unquote. Eve's answer is no better. She blames the tempter and pleads innocence by laying the guilt on him. Verse 13. Judgment is now delivered by God in reverse order. No question is asked of the tempter because no valid answer can ever be given by him. Adam and Eve will repent, but the tempter never, so he is simply condemned. The animal he used is condemned. Enmity is placed between it and all the women's seeds. Both the physical serpents and the tempter are able to bruise the heels of men, i.e., to cripple, but not to destroy people theologically. But the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ, will crush the serpent's head. Verse 15. Christ will destroy the works of the devil and the power of sin and death. God tells Eve and all women after her, quote, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Unquote. Sorrow here means pain. The woman's greatest joy in childbearing will be marked by pain, not merely in birth pangs, but in seeing the effects of the fall, of sin and guilt, in her children and her grandchildren. The pain of seeing the working out of the fall in those whom we love is referred to here. Moreover, quote, Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Unquote. Verse 16. Man's headship began with creation. After the fall, sin makes it often a burden rather than a blessing. The curse on man is really a curse on the ground, verse 17, on his work. Man must seek his livelihood henceforth in a frustrating natural realm. Only hard work will make the ground productive. Quote, Thorns also and thistles, unquote, weeds, will proliferate whereas the life-giving herbs will require more work and cultivation. Verse 18. Hard work, quote, the sweat of thy brow, unquote, will be necessary to produce food, and death will take back man's body into the ground. Quote, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Unquote. Verse 19. Man created in the image of God returns to dust because of the fall. Man then faced a bleak future, but he was now apparently humbled and chastised. He named his wife Eve, or Hava, meaning living or life, quote, because she was the mother of all living, unquote, verse 20. By so naming her, he sets forth his hope that together they will affirm God's purpose, life in him, rather than a course of eternal death. As against the curse, Adam affirmed life, but the fall led both the man and the woman to plead victimhood, and the plea of victimhood is basic to the fall. It is an insistence that one is not responsible that evil things are done to us. This view sees man as passive. Now it is true that people are often victimized, but, both before and after, we have a responsibility not to dwell on that fact, but to work to overcome it. We are called to be, in all things, quote, more than conquerors through him that loved us, unquote. Romans 8, 37.